0: Hey, everybody. Today, we get to talk to my good friend, Kevin Dorsey, KD. Uh, Kevin is a well-recognized and respected thought leader within the sales and marketing space. And we had a chance to connect on some topics that are really important to me, like the subconscious, how he applied meditation to his organization, focusing on visualization and topics such as gratitude and the parasympathetic and the sympathetic state. Really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do as well. Um, check it out. And as always, please like, comment, and share. Enjoy the show. Great. Well, I'm really excited for this conversation today, guys. This is Ali Muji with the Lead with Meaning podcast. And I'm really excited to be speaking with my guest today. For those that, that don't know, you know, um, you know, Kevin has been nominated as an Inside Sales, you know, top 10 Sales Leader, Topo Sales Development Executive of the Year, AAISP top 25 influential leaders. So if you're in the sales and marketing space, you probably are well aware of Kevin Dorsey, my man, KD, um, but if you're not, you should definitely look, you know look uh, forward to connecting with him, following him on LinkedIn. Um, you know, you and I, Kevin connected about three months ago to start a dialogue, and I was really excited to to really dig into what you are doing to differentiate yourself with your team. Um, and I thought today we could really talk about some of the things that I've been seeing online that are really close to my heart when we talk about kind of a growth mindset. But I wanted to start off right away with you know getting into kind of a consistent, Habit and you know germs, as you call it. And maybe you can share with us a little bit about you know how you like to start your day and get dirty with some of those germs.
1: The germ people have been asking me about the germs acronym. Like how <laughs> how did you come up with that? Like was that yours? I was like honestly, I just got tired of writing it down. Right. So generally speaking, like one of the things I write down each day, like when I journal, is like what am I going to do to make today good? And I was always having to write down gratitude, exercise, reading, meditation. <laughs> Silence. Like I had to write that every single day. I was like, this is just getting old. And so I was like, oh look, that spells germs. That's fun. Let me do it. Right. So my daily routine is is germs. And it's something that I know if I follow, I feel better, I work better, I'm a better husband, father, leader, everything. And if I don't, it takes three or four days before I start to feel the difference. Right. And so um, so germ stands for gratitude. So every morning I write down three to four things that I'm grateful for and why. And I always try to find at least two things that are new. Right. When you ask a lot of people what they're grateful for, they'll give you the same, you know, friends, family, health, work. Right. It's always the same. And it's like the the whole point of the gratitude is actually looking for new things to be grateful for, because that's how you're rewiring your brain to look for the positive things in life, right? So it's always like I try to put something new in there, it can be small or big, but gratitude every single morning, um, exercise. So this was one that was like hard too, I don't have a lot of time, right? And so, you know, getting an hour gym workout in or an hour spin class, like I don't have time for that in the morning like i'm in the office by 6 30 6 every single morning so even getting up at five doesn't leave that much room and so like i have like you know an exercise bike in like the apartment complex i'll go on i'll take a fast walk with my dog i have these resistance bands x3 x3 bar has been a game changer for me like love it it's heavy duty resistance band work 10 15 minutes like just kicks your ass and it's it's phenomenal like you actually build muscle you lean out So like i do that Every single morning, um, pretty much, which is good. Um, then reading, right? So I read every morning, and it's reading with intention. So I read way more than just in the morning, but like reading with intention. So not just reading, but like taking notes, how I'm going to apply this, what am I learning from this, right? Meditation every morning, fifteen to twenty minutes, every single morning, and then sauna or silence. So the sauna, right? Like I love my sauna. One of the best investments I've ever made, like to have one in my apartment to, be able to sit and sweat it out. Like one is actually not that expensive. And for like two years, got this one off Amazon. that was like 280 bucks. You just sit in this little cube, right? But you sweat and you get all the toxins out and everything out. and It forces me to sit, right? Like that's important just to, to chill out or silence. So if I'm not doing the sauna, like literally just sitting in silence, like, nothing just letting the brain do what it wants to do but being in silence so that's my routine germs gratitude exercise reading meditation sauna if i get that done every single day like i just live better i can feel it i love it wow so
0: kevin um i'm gonna dig into these but the reason i love this so much is because when you and i initially talked we started to talk about higher consciousness and the subconscious and different areas. And you gave me some great advice, which was Ali. As you try to incorporate and introduce these things to, you know, mainstream sales and marketing, we need to find something that makes sense. Right. And although I've been going on this quest, you know, I get obsessed with the topic for like a couple years. So I'll get into Dr. Joe and Bruce Lipton and so on and so forth. Anybody that's around that sphere of things. Um, And then when I got into, you know, Brendan Burchard, his his recent book with, you know, high performance habits, you know, I'm having it on my shelf. I haven't started it yet, but I saw a video clip of him pressing it. And he says, here are some common habits that all the great business minds, all the great pre-performers, all the great leaders have. And it's a consistent daily routine inclusive of a lot of what you just described being meditation, being physical activity, being reading, being journaling. I don't think you included that one, but I want to say that was in your post that I saw as well, you know, um, getting into some level of nature, and grounding and things of that nature. Um, And then then I think the last one he had was mentorship, which you didn't include, but we're obviously just talking about a morning routine. So for me, I'm fortunate. I have a a high schooler, so I don't have the little ones at home and I can invest that kind of multiple hours in the morning to go through that process, you know? Um, But that's important. You touched on something I wanna come back to real quick though, Kevin, which was you said rewiring the brain. I know we went over that pretty quickly, but that a lot of people might not understand what that means, right? So when we talk about Know, kind of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic states. What we're talking about, guys, if you're not aware, is we are always living in a primal or a powerful state, right? And that, that primal is going to be a fight or flight mechanism in a powerful state is when we could really slow down that parasympathetic and the consciousness. Maybe Kevin, you could touch on what you meant by rewiring and digging into this a little bit. I mean, I
1: think the the blessing and the of being a human being is we can control our brain, right? And we tend to not take active control over what we think about and what we focus on, right? Our subconscious, right, will take us to our primal states, right? Looking for things that are wrong, looking for things to be afraid of, looking for things to fear, right? That's why we live in these high stress, like stages all the time, because that's what our subconscious is there for. It's how we survived as a species is whoever could be technically most afraid and most alert survived better than those that did it, right? Because if you weren't aware, if you weren't, shit, something got you, right? Like, <laughs> you're
0: gone, you're bad. dead.
1: <laughs> that was, that's how we evolved as a species. And so that's where we tend to naturally go. And we need to take that next step in our evolution of saying like, we don't have to live in fear all the time, right? And so by consciously focusing on things, looking for the good in the world, Looking for good things to be grateful for, looking for things that you can be happy about helps wire the brain in a way of like, okay, I can go do those things. I talk about this with my daughter all the time. Like who controls your thoughts? Hmm. Like, well, I do. It's like, so you can be happy right now. This is what people always get like confused on. Is like, I need this to go be happy. No, you don't. That's the thing. <laughs> Happiness, chemical release in our brain. You can do it right now. Anyone that's listening to this right now, you could take three seconds and make yourself happy. You could think of something that makes you happy. We just don't do it on purpose enough. Right. And so taking that time in the morning to do it on purpose, eventually your brain starts to do it on its own and now goes from conscious to subconscious or subconsciously, you're looking for the good in things. Subconsciously, you're finding things to be grateful for. Subconsciously, you do things that make you happy. That's what I mean around rewiring the brain. But then the flip side of it that like you just mentioned habits, habits are rewiring the brain mm. too, right? Creating a very strong neuro pathway that requires next to no energy to execute. Right? This is why most people, like, they don't understand like, what a habit is. Right? Most, it's a strong neural pathway in your brain, right? a.k.a. you don't need to do much to trigger it. This is why most people don't get new habits, though, is because they try to break a habit. You can't break a habit. It is a neural pathway in your brain. You cannot break it unless there is a brain injury. You have to create a newer and stronger pathway over or around it right? So anyone like it's New Year's coming up, like all the time about these new habits, like you don't break a habit, you create a new one, you create a new, stronger habit, right? That's how you do it. But the same thing, that's a rewiring of the brain that's required to make something stick.
0: Yeah, guys, so and, and I've talked about this quite a bit, you know, by the time we are 35 years old, 95% of our subconscious is hardwired. So in the kind of the computer programming where that software has been built right so you need a new line of code you need it to patch yourself you need an upgrade you need an update whatever you want to call it and however long that programming has been in place the longer or more re- repetitive tasks, as we talk about, or habits are gonna need to be in place until you rewire that. So, one example for me, and I went through this recently, you know, a couple years ago, was I stopped listening to music in the gym. I know Morgan Ingram talks about this all the time. And I started to listen to just positive motivational, basically, affirmations is what they were. This is when I kind of reset my morning routine, as we talked about. And after a week, I felt a little bit different. After a couple weeks, I felt a little bit better. After a month, I felt like a different human being. Right. And so it's just a matter of consistent, consistently going through that process and doing that. Right. So and this is why meditation is is so important. Right. So uh, I came across an article that Tim Ferriss posted that he said, you know, 90 percent of all of his guests. And I think he's at 450 podcasts now. He says 90 percent of them have a meditation or breath work practice daily. And I know you implemented this at, at patient pop recently, which I thought was great. What I thought was blown away by was you really focusing on visualization of the actual obstacle, right? So I approached this in a little different way. You you approached it in how do I overcome this fear, right? I want you to dig into this. And I always look at to the, how do I get too powerful? I think we're both getting at things from the both different ends of the rope. So it's irrelevant as long as we arrive there, but maybe you could touch on one, how you approach even introducing that, that maybe it started at meditation. And you mentioned, I think, a thirty-six percent increase of activities. And maybe you could touch on this a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, when we when we really start focusing on not just talking about it, but like promoting it, right? Like, I actually wanted to make meditation mandatory, and it wouldn't <laughs> kind of weird, but whatever it is, like, like I can force people to cold call.
0: Cold call, right? <laughs> hey,
1: one sucks your soul; the other one enriches it. Like, why can't I also? <laughs> enrichment like that's for another another conversation but <laughs> what we did is we started meditating like as as a group as a team and we did like we noticed it with almost within days of activity going up and results going up but it wasn't even that right like i the, the results that we got from it are great it's not why i did it right even mm-hmm. if the results had stayed the same but people were less stressed or people were less fearful or they weren't so on edge or they could sleep better or they could be happier. Like that's really where it came from. And then the activity going up was a byproduct. Right. But to start that day, like in a moment of calm, especially in sales, like sales is stressful enough. Mm-hmm. Right. We so many of the activities in sales trigger fear. Right. And so those were things where like asking the right questions, I think led me to start to focus on more of these things. It's like why people don't do what they're supposed to do. And if you just blame work ethic, Then you always push people harder, but if you remove work ethic and say, okay, well, why don't people cold call, for example? Because they're fucking afraid. They're afraid to cold call. It's stressful. It releases all sorts of cortisol in your brain. It lights up like the bad parts of the brain of that fight or flight. It's like, so what fixes that? Well, meditation and gratitude and journaling and visualization. So we started doing that. And so like we had two sessions, like 7 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. We'd have about 30, 40% of the team would participate in that. And it was great. But then we did something recently to take a step further. We started doing guided visualizations, right? So meditation is, you know, inward and, you know, whether you see things or don't see things or think or don't think, right? It's all different ways to do it. But the visualization aspect of like picturing what a good day looked like, and picturing why you're doing what you're doing, picturing the prospect needing your help, right? But then this is where I think you and I are saying different things. Is a lot of what's been taught around visualization has been on the positive, right? Seeing the end result, but not visualizing what it takes to get there, or visualizing the struggles you'll go through and what you'll do when they happen. This is what throws people off. If every single day you're just visualizing the end result, I'm skinny, I'm skinny, I'm skinny. <laughs> I'm, I'm rich, I'm present, Like you always do the end result. One, and you know this, the brain doesn't know the difference between real and visual. So yep. part of it's like, I already have it. Part of your brain, like the great book, 59 seconds, great book. It talks about, um, how visualization has been taught wrong because like your brain actually does start to think I already have it. The edge isn't there anymore but then if all you ever picture is the good Mm -hmm. when shit goes wrong your brain isn't ready it's like wait a minute this isn't what I was picturing like no I'm supposed to be ripped skinny rich already like (laughs) put a picture okay here's what could go wrong what yep. do you do when that happens now your brain is ready for
0: it it's like i've already seen what i'm it's doing. already seen it it's already gone through that process right but you're you're right on the money kevin because um for me what really impacted me was uh, dr joe dispenza's breaking the habit of being yourself which is a great book i actually read that book second i also read them in reverse um, but he talks about in that belief. So to rewire your brain, you need to have the belief as if it's already occurred, right? So as you're talking about, I'm I'm really skinny. I'm fit. I'm I'm ripped up for the summer. But if there's any doubt in that belief, you break that line into the quantum field and pull it in. So what you're touching on is when that doubt creeps up, they can overcome it. Because they've already gone through that process and seen it, right? So, But as long as the belief as if it's already occurred is stronger than any doubt that might show up. So your approach might be spot on.
1: Well, and this is where with some of it, like the belief that it's already occurred versus the desire of the occurrence. The desire of the occurrence is better than believing it's already occurred. Right. Like, and again, these are things like, and this is, you know, we can have different views on it, but it's how it's been thought, which is fine. But when you picture it as completed, you know enough about the brain, if your brain is picturing it as completed, does it feel like it still needs to do anything? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So picturing it as occurred is actually the end, right? Like the visualization I went through with the team, 90% of it was not the end result the 10%, get a taste of it. Okay. Picture the day, picture it going the way you want it to picture like, Hey, you got that goal, but then we immediately worked backwards from it. Right. So the, even when it's taught to gold for the longest time, what did they teach people about goals? A B, Are you familiar with BHAG? Uh,
0: yeah. dig into it. Yeah. I'm familiar with the term
1: very audacious very
0: goal. audacious goal. Yeah.
1: Wrench goals, right. If you're not afraid of your
0: impossible goal, whatever you want to call it. Yeah.
1: Okay. So now back to the brain, What happens if the brain is afraid of the goal?
0: It won't attempt it.
1: It won't even
0: attempt it. Yeah, fight or flight or freeze. I know you talked about that one recently.
1: (laughs) It won't even attempt it. Wait, what? I need to do... Your brain's like, no. This is, again, why most people don't accomplish their goals. They set goals that literally scare them, right? The brain doesn't accept it as even reasonable as possible, right? So another good book. I had all my managers read this. This even shifted my thoughts on... um, Goal settings, Kaizen, um, Small Changes for Big Results. and it. But it's one of the few books right around Kaizen, like the never-ending improvement or whatever. But it talks about how the brain handles this shit. It goes, you have to give it smaller goals, right? Don't tell a rep to go from 20 calls a day to 60 calls a day. Just we go mm-hmm. to 30. Right. 22.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. See, this is why um, Atomic Habits um, really impressed me because, honestly, I wasn't feeling it. I was, everybody was – high on buzz because I'm a gold junkie, you know, and things like that. And, um, but he broke down that, you know, if I need to make, um, if my assets in a, you know, aren't where they need to be, it's not a matter of just go find another job. that's going to pay me 20% more. It's a matter of my process for managing money is flawed. So when he got into the micro wins and the small wins and, you know, focusing on the process that that greatly impacted me probably more in my personal life than it did my professional life. Cause I says, I just want to be 1% better today as a father and as a husband. And I found myself taking lunch with my wife a little bit more than I used to going on nature walks with my wife a little bit more so I can give back to that and feed that. Cause for me, and I know you and I, you know, shared some content online about this. My goals are not just professional. They're all encompassing of all of myself. Right. So, um, but you're right. Those micro wins are important.
1: It's breaking goals down and making them smaller, picturing what it will take to achieve it, picturing what goes wrong and how you'll handle it. And then picturing how you'll reward yourself. But you only stay there for a second, then you work back to again, okay, the struggles, the challenges I'll go through, reminding myself that I've been through challenges and struggles before, right? Mm-hmm. I want it, happy place, done, right? And we did that, and we had phenomenal days those days, like phenomenal, like record-breaking days on the days that we did that. And so I'm looking for ways to insert that again into a regular process for our team.
0: God, I think that's great, man. I, um, I love my current company. They're really trying to build out a um, a uh, mindfulness program. So you know, they've gone from a couple of days a week group meditations, you know, to now a daily, which is great. Obviously, it's not as early as I need it to be, but I, I try to join when I can. You know, so um, the other the other thing that really was interesting to me, uh, Kevin, was when you when you talked about kind of not just uh, the vis- visualization of things, but You know, what was the feedback from leadership, right? Because, you know, one thing that I'm not seeing, you know, is leaders like yourself that are implementing these true developmental practices that aren't just going to benefit people in the workplace, but in their lives. Did you receive any pushback initially when you tried to roll this out or it was before hours, so it was irrelevant?
1: Um, No, I guess, I guess, truthfully, I guess it's one of the benefits of being the boss.
0: (laughs) That helps. (laughs)
1: Like, I'm not going to my CEOs saying, hey, "Can I do this?" Right? Like they trust me to run the org. The it's your
0: team, right? Right.
1: I didn't get really any pushback above me until I tried to make it mandatory. Then, then gotcha. targets below, right? <laughs> the targets involved. Whoa, hold on. All right, fine. All right. So no real pushback there. Um, not really from like my managers either. Right? The managers under me, like they were all pretty bought into okay. the idea of it. And especially, too, like, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, like, the why behind things. Like, I don't just come out of, like, my fucking golden tower and say, "Right, <laughs> right, we're just going to do it. Like, I, I thought that's it. exactly
0: how you did it, man.
1: Well, I understand that. I right? <laughs> down in clouds and I say, hey, we're just going to meditate, everybody. Right? Like, no, like, I took the team through the science behind it. I took my managers through happiness advantage. Like, we talked about the benefits of it before we rolled it out to the team right? So I had my managers on board with it before we brought it to the team, right? And so do all of them like believe in it wholeheartedly? I don't know. Do any of them like truly believe it's worthless? No, like they get it, right? Yeah. People are like, ah, meditation, and we walked through, they said, oh, like this actually makes sense, you know? So the pushback really wasn't there. Um, some members of the team wanted to do it, some don't, and that's fine. You know, like, I'm not going to fight them on that. Like, heaven forbid we get into a fight over me over trying Over to- meditation. <laughs> That's
0: not what... Do, do you have a good example of a, a good convert? Somebody that was just going along for the ride, you know, with the Joneses and was truly uh, impacted. You know, I know sometimes it is a process for meditation for a lot of folks getting out of your own head. So if you're new to it, take your time. Start with a couple minutes. You know, there's a lot of guided apps out there you know, seeing, you know, LeBron, you know, partner with Calm, you know, over the last couple of weeks was was huge, you know, so, you know, go to Calm, go to Headspace, you know, there, there's several out there, go on YouTube, start with five minutes at the first part of your day and five minutes at the end of your day is what I usually advise to people just to start things out. But, you know, um, maybe you could, you could talk a little bit about um, the other piece of things wasn't just a meditation, what well, in your germs was gratitude. So, there's something called the subconscious scale and not to get all nerdy with the subconscious, but people look at joy and love and happiness and they rate these things. And we've all been in a new relationship. You know, you have a child, you get married, you have one of those moments, and nothing can impact you in your world, right? No matter what happens, you get a flat tire, God forbid, you're just going along with it and you're, you're, you're happy right now. And I, I don't have the exact numbers, but you know, love, joy, and happiness sit in the range of 480 to 600 on a scale of 1,000, right? Um, gratitude sits at above 900. So imagine almost double the impact. And that's why Oprah talks a lot about the three by three, three in the morning, three at night with gratitude, which you do as well. But, you know, that to me is even sometimes more powerful than meditation. What do you, you know, like, how, how, how did you start doing that personally? And what's the type of impact you saw when you rolled that out to the team?
1: Um, I started when this was... Was it six years seven years ago um saw the TED talk from sean acor on the happiness advantage right and the company i was at at the time like we watched it all together and then we went through the book um together and that's what got me on gratitude right it's like any like anytime someone can give me the science behind something like i'm in right and i was like well that's pretty dumb to not do right (laughs) seven percent more sales 33 fewer errors right more energy better sleep like yeah i'm in like i'll do that <laughs> that's when i started doing it and you know i've tweaked it and tested it and done different things over the years but like the three in the morning and three at night it, it works it really it really does and i wish more people did it because I think it solves a lot of things right like when you're wiring your brain to find the good in the day I think it also helps you wire your brain to see the good in people right something that's been very not like different like it's probably been this way forever but like we don't tend to give people the benefit of the doubt right like we we tend to imply like people were trying to hurt us or trying to be evil or trying to do certain things and versus where if you also are wiring to like see the good in people to give the benefit doesn't mean like you let people take advantage of you but you don't see everything through a lens of negativity right and so those are things like the the building of empathy i think has come from gratitude as well be more empathetic to persons like all right that person just cut me off or my wife was snappy with me i can get angry i get upset i'm like whatever i say you know maybe they just didn't get enough sleep yeah maybe something in their world that really was shitty right like man they maybe maybe that person just got fired right like you know there's all sorts of things you can tell better stories around the people you're interacting with and i think it makes a huge difference
0: yeah i read i heard one recently and you're you're spot on i think um a lot of these things blend but you know human connection is important the one i heard recently was just take a moment and look that individual in the eyes before you respond and react and just that concept of making it a human connection you don't having that level of empathy, not knowing what they might have been experiencing. It's it's really important, you know, as well. Um, I want to kind of pivot a little bit, you know, Kevin. You know, just talk about development a lot. So, you know, one thing that I, you know, um, you had shared a thought that I've had for a while, which is why is it that we're not looking at what the top, you know, performers are doing, industry agnostic, and implementing those things into development. Right, and so we've talked about a consistent routine. We're not going to get into all of these individually. We could definitely take that offline and do something as a follow up there. But you know, these are consistent habits that you know all the great business leaders and you know great minds and entrepreneurs are implementing. Uh, the other part of that is just learning. And when we talk about you know kind of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So um, you know, one thing that triggered me was you know when we look at you know Angela Duckworth and the, the book Grit and her TED talk. Uh, One thing that stood out to me was she positioned a lot of her research to a growth mindset, which is based off Carol Dweck's work at Stanford. You know, we talk about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, right? And having the ability to constantly learn. Uh, And there's a lot of great learners out there in the sales and marketing community. A lot of books are being shared. But one thing that stood out to me, Kevin, was what you were investing your time in, right? So I'm a, a psychology and sociology double major. So I'm really into not just the brain, but people. But as a sales leader, you were reading about psychology and content management, not necessarily sales. I don't want to take away from your, your, I know you're an avid learner, so I know you're reading sales in there. Um, But what got you to start thinking about the behaviors of people um, opposed to just traditional sales tactics?
1: I mean, I think it, it comes down to asking the right questions, right? And I try to ask myself a lot of questions around like you know what i'm trying to achieve right and so if um you know say i'm trying to improve close rates right i want my close rates to go up like, okay why are close rates low do they not know what to do are they just not doing it more often than not it's they they they're just not doing it most leaders (laughs) times most sales leaders times is not spent Figuring out new things to do its really around trying to get people to do the things that they want done. Right. And so that leads to okay, well, why aren't people doing those things? Right. Were they not taught it the right way? Are they afraid? Right. It just, it takes you down a different path than just like, Oh, results, 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 results. My managers, they probably hate it, but they also understand they can't be mad at me. It was like, I, I don't talk about results often with my managers. I talk about behaviors. That's it, right? Like behaviors lead to results, right? You can get good results with bad behavior.
0: Yep. A lot of time that is the case.
1: And That's where like, as long, as long as we get to the number, it's fine. No, it's not. Because if we have the behaviors in place, either one, the results go way up or we learn what works and what doesn't work and we can tailor it accordingly, right? So getting, learning how to build habits, behavioral really is where I think most leaders should go. It's not about tactics anymore. Right? It's not about tactics. Very few, I have yet to find a sales leader that 100% of their team executed 100% of their playbook. Yeah,
0: it doesn't happen.
1: have not found it. it. As an industry, 50% of people hitting quota literally means most people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right? And so that's where it comes down to certain things. It's like you have to learn how to get people to do things, you have to learn how to teach it, how people actually learn. Repetition is just totally underutilized in the sales world, right? Like it's as an industry it's like, we forget people weren't taught how to do this. Yeah, right? <laughs> Industry acts like a lot of other industries, forgetting that a nurse went to school for six years.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Sales person, like, no, like by the time someone's been in sales for six years, they are a vet and they haven't even been taught what to do.
0: What is the, the the data stat if you do something consistently for two hours a day for five years, you're an expert, something like that?
1: Well, here, okay, but shit like that, right? if you do it right. There you go, right? Right, okay, it's purposeful, like the 10,000 hour rule too, right? Like, oh, 10,000 hours will make you an expert. No, that's if you do it right. Correct, I, correct. Yeah. I take 10,000 bad golf swings. You know what I'm an expert at?
0: A bad golf swinging. <laughs>
1: So that's what a lot of salespeople do. Is they become experts in being bad. They become experts in doing things the wrong way. But they think, oh well, this is how I've always done it. So this is good, right? It's that purposeful practice. It is the instruction of here's how to do it and why. There's a uh, there's a term I can't. I always forget it because it's I'm not smart enough to remember it. But like the idea of you teach the way you were taught, and some sort of like theorem or whatever. I don't know. But it's like, that's what's happened to sales. The old school guys taught the next round, and that's how that next round was taught. So they teach it, and then that's how the next one was taught, and they teach it. And then you just get this, this is how I was taught, so this is how I did it, so this is how I succeeded, so this is what we should teach. Versus stepping back and being like, yo, is this even right? Is this even the way to do it? Is it fucking working? 50% of people don't get to quota. It's not working. It's not working. It has to change. It has to. We're on the low, or second lowest rung in terms of people trusting salespeople. What we're teaching isn't working. But people aren't willing to step back and see it that way. You know, as long as there's some like all-stars hitting numbers, they're like, yep, see, look,
0: yeah, so-and-so's got it. Yeah. And it's amazing to me because, you know, and not to get into a tangent, but in a world of data, when when everybody's got a BI tool, there's, everything is run off of analytics, you know, our, we're I think we're looking at the wrong, wrong numbers or the things that we're talking about, like behaviors, aren't in the numbers, right? So um, to your point, I think uh, we will see a shift as we continue to see sales and marketing blend together. We're seeing more mindfulness as practice being taught at you know, kind of global leading Fortune 50 companies and things of that nature, um, you know. But, so you know, I know, Kevin, we're getting uh, up on time here. You know, where, where can people find you, you know, online?
1: Uh, on, on LinkedIn. That's really my only social channel. I don't have Snap, Insta, any of that. Like, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. I try to share a lot of, what I'm going through, what I'm learning, like what's working, what's not working like, and kind of blending that line between life stuff and sales stuff, right? Like we've talked about this before, but like one of my own personal mantras and probably something I'll start down the road is live better, sell better, because I think they do coincide, right? If that's why we do the gratitude and meditation and visualization, like that's just life shit. That's not sales shit. That's just life. If, those things help you live better, I believe selling follows suit, right? And so find me on LinkedIn. Um, that's where I spend most of my my social time, and I try to get back to people that hit me up there. That's how you and I started this relationship. So, um, yeah, that's where they can find me. Now, um, before
0: we wrap, Ken, what one – piece of advice that you might offer you know somebody that's really looking to kind of venture into making changes into their life starting from the you know ground zero this is you know as we're approaching uh, january beginning of the year you know a lot of people don't necessarily have a, a daily routine or a meditation practice but if there's one piece of advice you say to really make a change and impact in 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 our in our lives what advice would that be
1: i think it, it's being Present and proactive right? it's being present in in the moment and recognizing things the way that they are, but also being proactive to change the things that you want to change right like like you know the book The Secret was an international bestseller right yeah. millions upon millions upon millions of copies sold. it was on Oprah, they made a movie, all this shit, right First of all, I don't know where all these visualized millionaires are. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote a book a follow-up book
0: the answer i love they the answer i got it on my shelf
1: <laughs> my answer. the answer didn't do very well you know why because it you actually had to do something
0: answer the answer for those that don't know john Asaroff, who i'm a huge fan of go find him online he talks a lot about one of his great mentors um asked him this great question you know when he was when you know when he was introduced to him about change. And he said, are you interested in change or are you committed to change, right? And John Astroff didn't know the difference and obviously the commitment is willing to do the hard things, but his mentor had him um, write out in the office, read his goals and then recite them out loud. And this gets into how people learn. You and I are gonna have to dig into that one at another time. Um, But the answer is a workbook on how to implement these things. Sorry, sorry to chime in there.
1: But like, that's what I mean around being proactive. You actually have to do something, right? The whole the whole premise of nothing changes is nothing changes. People forget that. It's like, you've got to change, right? And so if you're not feeling the way that you want to feel, be proactive in learning how to fix that and then actually do it, right? I think, you know, if everyone's getting started in this, the happiness advantage is the best place to start because it talks about, these things. It talks about meditation. It talks about gratitude. It talks about exercise. It talks about journaling. It breaks it all down How to do it, why to do it. It's, I think, just a foundational read. I bought it for all my managers here. Like We went through it like as a management team. Like, you bring those things into the workplace, but Happiness Advantage, I think, is probably the best place for people to start. If you're not willing to read the book, there's a TED Talk on it. It's 20 minutes long, but God damn it, go read the book. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, like, I want to improve my life, but oh, read a book. Oh, like sit down, read the book, do what it says.
0: Yeah, it, it's you know, man, uh, Kevin, I, I can't thank you enough, guys. If if like as I mentioned before, if you're not following Kevin, he just continues to put out value, 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 value. You know, to the entire community. So uh, definitely check him out on LinkedIn. You know, and for those listening, please like, comment, share. Appreciate you taking the time today. Um, you know, and look forward to seeing you on the next show. Thanks, Kevin. We'll talk to you soon, man.